0: You're listening to ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to GI Insights, where we cover the latest clinical issues, trends, and technologies in gastroenterological practice. GI Insights is brought to you by AGA Institute and sponsored by Takeda Pharmaceuticals North America. Your host for GI Insights is Professor of Medicine and Director of the Digestive Disease Center at the Medical University of South Carolina, Dr. Mark Delegi.
1: Has there been a shift in the treatment paradigm for Crohn's disease? Should using infliximab-based therapy be given serious consideration, even early, or is it too risky for many patients? Joining us to discuss new Crohn's disease developments is Dr. William Sanborn, Professor of Medicine, and a Dorothy A. Adair Professor of Gastrointestinal Research at Mayo Clinic, College of Medicine. Dr. Sandbord is also Vice-Chairman of the Division of Gastroenterology and Hepatology at Mayo Clinic. Welcome, Bill. Thank you very much. Bill, I've heard a lot recently in the literature or read a lot about these paradigms for treatment of Crohn's disease, what I hear either step up or step down. Can you explain that and tell us what the current treatment paradigm is for Crohn's disease?
2: Well, this- historic treatment paradigm is to begin with the drugs that we think are the safest and perhaps the least effective and move up through different courses of therapy. So historically, patients have received mesalamine drugs, then steroids, then azathioprine or 6-merkeptopurine, and finally, biologic agents such as infliximab and this would be the so-called step-up or pyramid treatment paradigm. In the last few years, the idea has been proposed to reverse that pyramid or or take a top-down approach where you use the most effective drugs first or very early in the course, and we've had some preliminary studies and more recently a more definitive study looking at this so-called top-down strategy
1: so then you'd be moving towards more so towards the biologic agents f- first perhaps and then moving back down from there
2: that was the hypothesis and you know i think most of us like to change our practice based on new data and so many practitioners i think have been anxiously waiting more substantive data about what the uh, ideal top down strategy might be and and just how good would it be so it wasn't a fait accompli that it would be a biologic. And actually, the study that we'll talk about today was comparing the idea of using azathioprine as a top-down agent versus a biologic therapy with infliximab versus the combination. And the outcome of that trial kind of would dictate what the ideal top-down strategy would be.
1: Now, from my own perspective, I know that I have a small number of patients with Crohn's disease and Therefore, I may not even have a good idea about what the actual progression of Crohn's disease is, meaning in a large group of patients followed for years, what is the progression of Crohn's disease?
2: There's two separate dynamics going on with patients in patients with Crohn's disease. One dynamic is the acute kind of flare or relapse and then going back into a symptomatic remission, and then there's the long-term progression of the disease. So in the short term, which is where many practitioners are in terms of seeing a patient in the office, they're either well or they're not, and you know, you're know you looking at them just at that snapshot in time. And so at any given time, about half of patients will be in symptomatic remission and about half of patients will be flared up. In the longer term, if you look at things, patients typically start with what we would call inflammatory disease. So if you do colonoscopy or CT or MRI, andrography you'll see evidence of active inflammation without the complications of stricture fistula and abscess that occur later. And then as that chronic inflammation persists, about 80% of patients will have progression to the development of strictures, fistulas, or abscesses over time. And it's those complications that account for most of the surgery that occurs in patients with Crohn's disease. So 15 or 20 years out from diagnosis, cumulatively about 80% of patients will have progressed from inflammatory disease to having the complication of stricture fistula or abscess, and the majority of those patients then will require surgery. And we know that the majority of patients who require first surgery will have recurrent Crohn's disease, and many will require second surgery and, and so on.
1: Knowing that a majority, I guess, here of patients are going to have some difficulties, my knee-jerk response when I see a Crohn's patient who's perhaps flaring or having problems is steroids. You know, give them some prednisone or IV steroids. Are are there pros and cons to using steroids?
2: The steroids are, are highly effective in the short term for resolving the symptoms of Crohn's disease when it's been looked at, they don't lead to very high rates of bowel healing with a subsequent follow-up colonoscopy. And the biggest problem with steroids is they're not effective for the long term in maintaining remission of symptoms or or bowel healing. And so as many as 70 or 80 percent of patients will respond in the short term to a course of steroids, but then as you withdraw the steroids a large percentage of those patients will relapse, and several studies have now demonstrated that once you start a patient on steroids, the chances that they will be in clinical remission off steroids at the end of the year is somewhere in the range of 25 to 30%. So the majority of patients will respond to steroids in the short term but fail in the intermediate to long term. The other issue with steroids is that the toxicity has been underappreciated. So we all know that steroids can cause moon face and weight gain and hypertension and diabetes and osteoporosis and osteonecrosis. But the the really serious problem that we see is infection. And there are now a number of studies that have shown about a twofold increase and the risk of mortality with steroid use. And this doesn't mean that patients are necessarily on steroids for many months or years. It can be even shorter periods of time. So although we see infections with azathioprine and we see infections with the anti-TNF agents, and there, there's no question about that, the most clear link between fatal outcomes and medical therapy is with steroid therapy.
1: If you're just tuning in, you're listening to GI Insights and ReachMD the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Mark DeLegge, and joining me to discuss new Crohn's disease developments is Dr. William Sanborn, professor of medicine, and a Dorothy A. Adair professor of gastrointestinal research at Mayo Clinic College of Medicine. Bill, how about the antimetabolites that we call them, such as azathioprine? Are they effective?
2: I think they are effective. These were first reported in controlled trials going back to about 19... 19- There's two drugs in this class, azathioprine and 6-mercaptopurine. Neither drug is FDA-approved for the treatment of Crohn's disease, but there is good scientific evidence that they are effective for maintaining remission and for steroid sparing. Because the large trials that would lead to FDA approval have never been performed, the exact magnitude of the effect has been somewhat uncertain. The clinical trials that have studied these drugs in Crohn's disease have been quite small. And it's also been a bit hard to be certain about the level of side effects that you see with the medicines for exactly the same reasons. And there's been very little information about whether these drugs will lead to bowel healing or mucosal healing at colonoscopy. So I think most of us believe that the drugs are effective. They have a role in clinical practice and we use them, but exactly how effective they are and what their relative efficacy is to alternative therapies, no one has been quite sure.
1: What about the anti-TNF therapies, their effectiveness? Prior to this, we were reserving this for those patients who failed other therapies. What about its effectiveness?
2: Well, I think you've stated it very well. These drugs were initially developed for patients that had failed other therapies and their current FDA approval is for moderate to severe Crohn's disease, unresponsive to conventional therapy. And conventional therapy is a little bit loosely defined, but I think many of us have interpreted that in general to mean mesalamine, steroids, and immunosuppressive drugs like azathioprine. When you use the biologic last after failing all of those therapies, you will see about 60 to 70% of patients who will have meaningful clinical response in the short term, and about 30 to 35 percent of patients will enter a clinical remission in the short term. And then if you continue the drug in patients who respond, you'll have about two-thirds of those patients maintaining response or remission out through the course of the subsequent year. So, you know, if you think about 60 to 70 percent of patients respond initially, and 60 to 70 percent of those patients will continue to respond over time, you you get down to as little as 30 or 40 percent of patients that will really stay well over the course of the year having started with moderate to severe Crohn's disease. But, you know, in that setting, you're treating patients who've often had surgery who may have already had some progression of complications from the disease, like a partially obstructing stricture. And so, you know, it's left many of us wondering what would happen if you used these therapies earlier in the course before you'd had as much surgery and as much irreversible bowel damage from the progression of the disease.
1: I know that a number of gastroenterologists are concerned or have been concerned with side effects from anti-TNF therapies. What's your take on that?
2: I think it's a very reasonable and legitimate concern but it's very important to put the issue of side effects into perspective. So the first thing is to think about Crohn's disease itself. Crohn's disease itself has a clear association with the reduction in life expectancy, so an increased mortality, a high cumulative rate of surgery, and a, as we discussed earlier, a high cumulative rate of requiring multiple surgeries. So the Crohn's disease itself is associated with increased mortality and morbidity the mesalamine drugs are not FDA approved for Crohn's disease and the preponderance of the data is that they're, they're either minimally effective or perhaps not effective at all. So although they're safe in terms of drug side effects, they're not safe in terms of progression of Crohn's disease because of their low efficacy, the Crohn's disease will often progress and you have a risk associated with progression of Crohn's.
1: Well, Bill, it certainly sounds like we're going to have to keep our eye on this top-down therapy paradigm, and I'd like to thank my guest from the Mayo Clinic College of Medicine, Dr. William Sanborn. Dr. Sanborn, thank you very much for being our guest this week on GI Insights.
2: Thank you so much for the invitation.
0: You have been listening to GI Insights on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. GI Insights is brought to you by AGA Institute and sponsored by Takeda Pharmaceuticals North America. For additional information on this program and on-demand podcasts, Visit us at ReachMD.com and use promo code AGA. Takeda Pharmaceuticals North America is proud to sponsor this important and quality programming for ReachMD listeners. Takeda does not control the editorial content of this broadcast. The views expressed are solely those of the guests who are selected by the AGA Institute. Based in Deerfield, Illinois, Takeda Pharmaceuticals North America is a wholly owned subsidiary of Takeda Pharmaceutical Company Limited, the largest pharmaceutical company in Japan. In the United States, Takeda markets products for diabetes, insomnia, wakefulness, and gastroenterology, and is developing products in the areas of diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and other conditions. Takeda is committed to striving toward better health for individuals and progress in medicine by developing superior pharmaceutical products. To learn more about the company and its products, visit www.tpna.com.